Whitney. I'm Danielle. And we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in, impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Sakara Life. Danielle, I'm so excited for this guest today. She is such a badass. And she could she's like a politician. She could really, you know, get up and speak about anything anywhere and people just listen. She Ariana has so much for knowledge. President. Ariana for president. <laughs> Ariana Huffington founded the Huffington Post. Yes, the Huffington Post back in 2005. She's also the founder and CEO of Thrive Global and the author of 15 books, including her two international bestsellers, Thrive and the Sleep Revolution. Ariana Huffington has been named to the Time Magazine's list of world's 100 most influential people and the Forbes most powerful women list. Today we're going to be talking to Ariana about sleep and how to avoid burnout as well as why she doesn't believe in balance. This is a good one so get ready. Let's go. Ariana, we are just so grateful to have you on our podcast. We look up to you so much and we have for so many years. And I'd say over the last 18 months, we've had the privilege to meet you several times. Um, So we're so grateful that we get to bring your work and what you do to our listeners and our followers. We like to start off every podcast with the question around what is your mission? You know, Whitney and I feel like we are on a mission with Sakara. We're on a mission to help people understand the power of food and plants as medicine. And so we'd love to hear what you feel like your mission is here on earth. So I love your mission. I think our missions are very aligned. Uh, my mission and why I left the Huffington Post to start uh, Thrive Global is to end the stress and burnout epidemic. Mm. Um my wake-up call was um, actually collapsing from burnout and sleep deprivation, hitting my head on my desk, breaking my cheekbone. And that was the beginning of my journey that led to me writing Thrive the Book and founding Thrive the Company. And uh, the reason I feel so passionate about it is that people are still under the collective delusion that in order to succeed, to be amazing at what they're doing. They need to be always on. They can't afford to disconnect or take time to sleep or recharge. And all the data, all the science shows the exact opposite is true. Mm. Recovery is part of a great performance. And so the work we're doing through our behavior change app, through our digital programs, through our live workshops is all to change how employees work in companies, how consumers work and live, and how the culture functions. 
So it's basically, you know, you can still be successful, still, you know, work hard, but have a balanced, joyful, fulfilling life. That's a big uh, mission. (laughs) I don't think it's just that you can still be successful. You're going to be much more successful. Yeah, that's a good correction. There is no trade-off. Right. Because look at athletes. We, We do a lot of content around athletes because with athletes, you have clear stats of performance. And there's no athlete that doesn't recognize now the the importance of recovery. There's no athlete that would eat junk and get drunk the night before a game and sleep for three hours. Absolutely. You know, it just it just would be completely irresponsible. Yeah. And they know that. I mean, Tom Brady would not be at the level he still is in his 40s if he was not prioritizing his sleep and what he eats and right. how he recharges. So, right, or even recovering his body. He wouldn't continue to work out at the gym every single day, every single muscle over and over all hours of the day and then try to go perform in a game. He knows exactly. that he needs to stop, rest and, his and body, exactly let the muscles recharge. recover. And, and, the, and that's all data-based and science-based. So for us... Our goal at Thrive is to redefine the wellness category around science and data because it's a very vague category and there is a lot of warm and fuzzy and not scientific stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to have make sure that everything we put out is entirely science-based. And when you talked about kind of how you got here, you know, you, you passing out at your desk, you know, Whitney and I, started this because we hit rock bottom. Personally, Whitney dealt with severe cystic acne for over a decade. I started dieting at the age of nine and kept dieting until my early 20s until I started studying nutrition and we built Sakara and I really understood that food is medicine, not the enemy. And so I guess my question to you is why do you think Well, and then now our hope is that we can get to people before they hit rock bottom. And it sounds like that's part of your mission, too, is like you don't have to pass out on your desk to then start to understand the importance of recovery. So why is it that you think most people or most of us have to hit rock bottom first? Like, why don't we learn earlier? I think because we're swimming in a culture um, that for many decades now believes something patently false believes that burnout is the price you pay for success. Mm. And, you know, I've studied that, uh, the origin of that. It goes back to the Industrial Revolution when uh, we started revering machines and the goal of a machine is to eliminate downtime. (laughs) And it's the same goal of software, like we say, Mm software that has 99.9% uptime, and that's fantastic. But human beings are different. The human operating system uh, needs downtime. It's a feature. It's not a bug. That is so amazing. I've never heard that kind of like put through the lens of history before. Yes. And how tech, people always talk about how tech is, you know, hurting us as a species and as a culture. And you know, I've heard lots of things like brain development and you shouldn't let your kid watch. But I've never thought about that in terms of burnout. And it's absolutely true. It's like you want to just become more and more efficient when you think about tech. But you can't apply that same ideology to human nature. 
the computer or the phone is always going to be able right. to turn on. Yeah. Except it but needs even, to be recharged, too. It needs too. to be and restarted. Like needs sometimes. to be recharged. Yeah. And, right. and now, if you think of it, we take better care of our phones than we take care of ourselves. Like, we're very, very <laughs> careful about recharging our phones. In fact, there are um, little shrines everywhere at the airport, on the plane, where you can recharge your phone. But... When I collapsed, if you had asked me that morning, how are you, Ariane? I would have said fine, because many of us have forgotten what it is like to be running on all cylinders and have gotten so used to being depleted and and uh, powering through. We, oh, we talk about at Sakara that we're all walking around thinking it's okay to just feel okay. And so sometimes, you know, we we talk about when you decide to eat this way and live this car life, you might be coming for all types of reasons. And some of them might be to lose weight or clear your skin or, you know, any of these things that might be outside the realm of what most people think of as, as health. But the beauty is like how you get all those things is you actually learn to take care of yourself, like from the ground up. Yeah. And I think, People start feeling okay with being bloated, with having a digestive system that is not functioning properly, with having headaches or just being tired all the time. And then once they start to take care of themselves and they start to feel better, that's when they're like, oh, wow, I wasn't okay before. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we know that we have the power to change these things in ourselves. Yes. And uh, and also how interconnected... um, a lot of these things are. So on our behavior change app, we have different journeys that, that are all interdependent. You know, nutrition is one of these journeys. And, uh, and basically, we have a very simple nutritional rule that we follow here, which is avoid processed foods and avoid sugar. So these are like the key things that are at the heart of bad nutritional decisions, processed Mm -hmm. foods, sugary foods. If you go to our sleep journey, you see the connection with nutrition. If you're sleep deprived, your body scientifically craves bad carbs and sugars. Mm -hmm. So it's much harder to make good nutritional decisions when you're sleep deprived. Yeah, and... You know, I think there are all these many signs uh, that you might be in burnout or soon to reach burnout. Like, what are some of those things that we can look out for to even know? How do we know that we're on burnout? Because as you said, sometimes your coping mechanisms kick in and you don't even realize that you're swimming in cortisol. Well, there are signs in every one of the journeys. So I mentioned these two journeys, um, nutrition and sleep. So... If you wake up um, with an alarm and you are tempted to, uh, hit, the to hit the snooze button, oh, yes. it means you are Uh-oh. really sleep deprived. What and if you hit the snooze button a lot of times? So first of all, we <laughs> recommend never to, to hit the snooze button. We recommend that you set your alarm for the absolute latest time you need to get up. And then get your butt out of bed. And then get, there's no, eliminate the snooze button because that sleep is terrible. Mm. You know, you've already really woken up. 
Right. And it's not really recharging sleep. I mean, I, I wear an aura ring that I, I track my sleep. Yes, I forgot <laughs> it today. But, and you see, it gives you like data, like how much REM sleep, how much deep sleep. And um, we're actually integrating the aura ring in our product. Oh, cool. And, um, and the, the sleep you get after the snooze button is not worth it. So and the data basically, shows you that. Yes. That it's a different type of sleep. Yes. So make sure that you set your alarm at the latest possible time and then gradually begin to get the sleep you need. Now, there are some people who have a genetic mutation and they need very little sleep. But it's only 1.5% of the population. If you are not sure, you can have a genetic test. But most people know it. I mean, I know I don't have a genetic mutation. Yeah. <laughs> and, that right. I, and the yeah. rest of us, the vast majority of people need seven to nine hours. It's not optional. It's not negotiable. Uh, it's, it's a time of hyperactivity in the brain. It's not a time of inactivity, as we thought. Right. And, um, and so in terms of signs of burnout, if you're sleep-deprived, I have so many signs. Now that at 95% of the time I do get my eight hours, which is what I need, mm-hmm. on the days when I don't, you know, I'm jet-lagged or um, something happens that um, I have to pull an all-nighter for, you know, there are always going to be exceptions. You have a young baby. You yeah, have I was a baby. Say, what do, what do, what do exactly. you parents have a baby. Do? It's like you, you are basically need to allow for the time that is not in your control. So control everything else. Mm. And um, because it doesn't matter what happens occasionally. What matters is what we do every day. So, but when I'm sleep deprived, I notice all the signs, which are really precursors of burnout. Like I become more reactive, like when something bad happens, more irritable, less empathetic. Um, less creative, less productive, you know, something that would take me five minutes may take me 20 minutes. So it doesn't make us more efficient. And then you've said something that I love about joy. You know, you said joy is nutritive, joy is healing, joy is nourishment. And I'm such a big believer in that. I actually... um, look at my life and see every day, do I have joy in everything I'm doing? Mm. That's my test. That's my barometer of how my day went. That is so powerful. Like just checking in. I I think that's a huge way to tell if you're on your way to burnout or not. It's just stopping and asking yourself, am I feeling joy? Joy. Joy in the work I'm doing, joy in my life and my day-to-day. And because if you're not... You might love your work, but not feel joy on in those days that you're on your way to burnout. Yeah, and I think that's different from happiness in so much like even if you maybe don't love the work you do, you can still like find joy like in the day to day as long as you're feeling restored and you know nourished. like you sh- yeah and nourished exactly. And the foundation of joy is kind of gratitude, like focusing on our blessings. Every day brings challenges. That's never going to change. Uh, but if, if we focus on our blessings, 
um, you know, everything that's going well right now, everything we love about our life, then it changes the way we approach the challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we joy is a nutrient came. It's actually part of our nutrition philosophy because after starting Sakara, we began to understand how many people just assumed that they wouldn't be enjoying our food, that it was going to be, you know, diet food and they were either going to starve or it was going to be tasteless. Feel um, like punishment. Yeah. And, and I think we, you know, I hope we've helped now thousands of people understand, like all across the country, understand that food can be nourishing and delicious and joyful. And then the other side of that coin is this idea that, you know, if you still want to have the glass of wine or the French fries, you know, you do it every once in a while. And as you said, what we know matters from a nutrition and scientific perspective is it matters what you do most of the time. It matters what you eat most of the time. So then if you want to have the French fries or the glass of wine every once in a while, and it's bringing you joy because you're out with girlfriends or you're, you know, whatever, whatever the reason is, and it's bringing you joy, that is actually nutritive. And it's, and it's much less caustic than it would be to kind of jump on the, the guilt, vicious cycle of like, why did I eat that? Why did I do that? Oh, absolutely. But also recognize when you go to the French fries or the ice cream or the cake because um, you're sleep deprived and exhausted and are looking for energy. Right. Or because you are sad. It's like, why are you doing it? And again, and sometimes we'll do it for those reasons. But you're absolutely right that guilt and self-judgment. It's toxic. Don't work. Yeah. They're more toxic than anything. And also, when you're grabbing for the french fries or the glass wine because you're in burnout, it's not usually bringing you joy. No, and that's you, that's the secret is that if if a food that maybe is on you know a bad list that we don't even necessarily believe in at Sakara, and and you're enjoying it and that is bringing you joy, then it's okay. And what's what's important to notice is that if you're doing it too often or not for the right reason, you'll notice it actually doesn't even bring you joy. It's like this good see, barometer. I, I love your rule, but we believe you are what you do the majority of the time. In leafy greens, but also in mimosas at the Sunday brunch and the joy of dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. I love that because it takes away the guilt. Exactly. And it helps people understand that life is full of gray areas. There's not, you don't live in the black and white kind of world. There are all these in-betweens. And when we have expectations that we're going to be perfect or that there even is such thing as perfect, that's when we have that diet mentality and we hop on the bandwagon or off the bandwagon. And that just leads to, I think, much more erratic behavior and not really doing things and nourishing yourself for the right reasons. I personally love your spinach artichoke velvet soap. Oh, yeah? Ah. Adore it. Oh, my gosh. That one is really delicious. One that was just on our program this week was our chili, and I think that one might be my favorite soup. Other people in the room are nodding. (laughs) It was a little spicy this week, though. I know, but I liked that. It's nice in the winter, you know? Yeah, get you warmed up. And so we're talking about burnout a lot, and so what are some of the ways that you recharge? Obviously, sleep is big for you. You talked about nutrition. Are there other ways like that you kind of plug in and, and recharge? Yes. So I meditate. My goal is to meditate in the morning before I get out of bed. So I have a kind of 
my morning ritual is sacred for me. Like I wake up ideally after eight hours, as I say, except for the times when you can't. unexpected things happen. Again, the 80-20 rule, you know, mm-hmm. as long as you're, as long as chronically you do what's best for you, it's all fine. Mm-hmm. So I wake up most of the time without an alarm because I'm fully restored. And, you know, you can overeat, but you cannot oversleep. Mm. Your body just wakes you up. I put an alarm on just to be safe, Mm -hmm. but the alarm is outside my room. Everything is outside. I mean, the alarm, the phone is outside the room, and the alarm is on on my nightstand. Mm -hmm. And um, this is kind of my major rule. I mean, we have over a thousand micro steps for healthy behaviors. My favorite is to pick a time at the end of the day that I declare the end of my working day. Whenever that is, because the truth is that you don't have an end to your working day. Especially as entrepreneurs, your day never ends and the work never ends. It can always just keep going. Exactly. I think that's something for me that I really need to work on with that boundary. And And is it like a ritual that you have? Yes, because we all kind of love rituals as human beings. My ritual is to turn off my phone and gently escort it out of out of my bedroom <laughs> and put it in its little phone bed. Do you know We've what seen our phone these, yes. bed? Yes. <clears throat> I'll give you, you one each. So the, we what have are a, they? It's a we have one in, in our is, office, um, actually. Oh, really? Yes. So it's basically a charging station that looks like a phone bed. It looks like a bed. Oh, yes, my God. it has phone. a little so blankie. And you put your phone under the blankie, you tuck it in. It charges 10 phones and iPads. And so you find a place um, outside everybody's bedrooms. And um, you all, everybody who lives in the same house puts their phones there. It's a ritual. And then when your children um, are older and have a phone, they learn the rules of the road. Mm. that the phone doesn't sleep with you. Mm. Um, One of the major problems that leads to sleep deprivation, depression, anxiety among teenagers and college kids is that they sleep with their phones. And they often check their phones during the night multiple times, which is incredibly disruptive of your sleep. But if you have that little phone bed which comes in mahogany and lightwood. <laughs> what would you like, Danielle? Oh, I think mahogany is what kind about of... Oh, you? I like the lightwood. Okay, mm-hmm. one mahogany and one lightwood before you leave. Okay, thank you. So we created, we actually sell them on Amazon at cost. So it's not a profit center for us. It's just we want people to to use it to help them um, adopt healthy habits. And have a ritual. So and like when you ritual. put your phone to bed, then work is done. That's the end of your working day. And what do you, So that. what do you do after you so put your phone I to bed? So after I put my phone to bed, I, I Whitney, like, what else what is there to do other than work? <laughs> I like to have um, a hot bath. That's nice. And I have like all my makeup removers, whatever laid out there mm-hmm. so I can prolong my bath. I do everything. I brush my teeth. I do everything. In the bath. In the bath which is really another ritual because as you are soaking in the bath, I put Epsom salts, I have a candle lit nearby. It's like you wash away the day. Yeah. And you prepare for sleep by slowing down your brain because what happens 
uh, with people is that their bodies are exhausted, but the brain keeps going. And a lot of people literally go to bed with their phone and are answering texts or emails or checking social media. In their sleep, you know, sleep texting. Up until the last moment, then they turn off their uh, light and they may fall asleep because they're exhausted and then their brains wake them up. Yeah, of course. In the middle of the night and they can't go back to sleep because they haven't slowed down their brain. They haven't prepared themselves. If you don't like baths, have a hot shower. Whatever it is, water is like a, another ritual. Yeah. It's like washing away the yeah, day. Usually you give your children That's a what bath I was just going to say. Or, exactly. or, or even just a ritual. We, yes. don't, we don't do bath or shower for our kid because we don't have a bath and the shower is just tends to be crazy messy because she just wants to play around. But um, we have other rituals to put her to bed. And it's so crazy that I can recognize how important it is for her to have the ritual before she can fall asleep. But yet I rarely do it for myself. Like reading yes. a bedtime story. Yeah, exactly. a bedtime you, story, I mean, a little oil massage. Yeah, Good Night Moon is such yeah. an incredible book because, again, it's like saying good night to everything around you. Yeah. So we, um, I recorded a, a parody for Audible called Good Night Smartphone. <laughs> you can download it. And it's, again, the smartphone. adult version of Good Night Moon. And also we launched a podcast called Meditative Story that prepares you for sleep. I mean, you don't have oh, to use it cool. for sleep. But you can also use it for meditation. We bring people into it through storytelling mm -hmm. because a lot of people are daunted by the idea of meditation. Totally. Or people feel, what do I listen to before I go to sleep? So we've brought in storytellers. You know, anybody, you would love you to do it. And you pick, a, you pick a pivotal story in your life. I mean, you can listen to mine, you know, which was my going from Athens to Cambridge and how it happened. So it's a, it's a real story. Uh, it has a, um, a narrative pace. And then we bring in mindfulness uh, prompts, uh, music, a whole soundscape. And people love it before they go to sleep. Yeah. Because it's like somebody telling you a story, but also in a very kind of relaxing, mindful way. I I would love for you to read me a bedtime story before I go to bed. <laughs> I, you know, well, you my know, mom used to read me bedtime stories, and now I don't have that. This sounds that. like a great Download solution. My um, my story on on meditative story. Okay, you can I'll find it anywhere, and also good night uh, smartphone. Good night smartphone. My husband needs that one. <laughs> and you know, we've talked a lot about sleep, meditation, nutrition, how do you as a successful businesswoman help your employees cultivate this kind of restorative rituals in the workplace? Like how do you create a culture that supports not going head straight into burnout but still being, you know, productive? Yes. Well, that's very important. In fact, we make it very clear when we hire that we are a very ambitious, high-growth company. We are not a nine-to-five culture. Uh, what we are saying is that there may be a time when you're shipping a product and you pull an all-nighter. There may be a time when you work over the weekend. But then we have created this cultural practice which is called Thrive Time. Let's say you've worked over the weekend 
take Thrive Time, take the take Monday to recharge. It's not PTO, it's not sick time, it's just an extra day mm. that uh, that you get to restore yourself. Yeah. And so that way you create a um, culture that focuses on peak performance, recognizes that that not every day ends at the same time, but gives you time to recharge. And and it's so much it's so much the best thing for the business too, because people get sick when they've exhausted themselves, their yeah, immune really. system is oppressed. And I mean, look at how many people get sick. More so than ever. More we, than ever. We just did an event with Dr. Lippman, and he was talking about how he just he's seeing more auto, autoimmune disorders right now, especially in young women, than he's ever seen. Yes. And, and I think that's because of stress, sleep deprivation, bad food, everything yes. we're talking about now. And yes. the cultural stress around us, the yes. stress of the environment. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, here we... we we like encourage everyone to make sure they restore themselves. If they're beginning to feel that they're getting sick, to take time off. Because it doesn't help anybody to get people walking to the office sick and making Spreading everybody it around. else yeah, sick. Absolutely. And what about for people that um, don't work at companies. Thrive and this? Yeah, like other amazing companies and, that support kind of that regenerative culture like what can people do if they work in the opposite culture how can they bring that there well first of all let me tell you that what you called a regenerator regenerative culture is a perfect way to describe mm-hmm. it because it's all about how do you regenerate yourself how do you recharge yourself um, and that's why actually I don't like the word balance because there's never a time when everything is like balance yeah and you have 50% time at work and 50% time personally. That's, that's not even a good goal because there are intense times at work when you're, it's going to be require most of you. And there are intense time at home that will require most of you. And that's all totally fine as long as you find ways to restore yourself. So first of all, the great news about uh, general workplace cultures is that the, there is a dramatic change happening. We see that with all our corporate clients. You know, we work with hundreds of big companies from Accenture, J.P. Morgan, the Hilton Hotels, all around the world. We've, we've done workshops in 47 countries. And all around the world, people are waking up to the fact that stress and burnout are actually affecting the bottom line that they have a direct impact on business metrics like attrition, recruitment, productivity, healthcare costs. So what we are trying to do is to move this conversation beyond uh, warm and fuzzy HR benefits right. to something that the CFO cares about. And so we are seeing also through what happened at WeWork, what happened at Boeing, when people were exchanging emails about how sleep-deprived they were and exhausted they were while they, they allowed what happened with the plane they launched to happen, that, in fact, a toxic culture built on burnout is terrible for the business. And I was on the board of Uber, so I saw it happen at Uber. So that's like a hugely teachable moment 
for everyone and every founder who is buying into the delusion that I have to be up all night to create a successful startup, let me remind those founders that three quarters of startups fail. <laughs> and there may be a connection between sleep-deprived founders yeah. <laughs> and bad decisions. Yeah. And also, you know, there's there. I think we also as individuals have to decide that we're no longer going to worship burnout and being so busy the way yes. that we do. And so even if you're not in a culture that next necessarily supports, you know, recharging a, as much as this culture or maybe Saqqara, at least as an individual, you can start to kind of help make the shift, even in the language that we use of like, I catch myself or other people saying, I'm just so busy. And it's yes. like, you're making that sound so cool. And in reality, like, is that it like, we're, be, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Or, yes. or like, you know, oh, I'm feeling so recharged. I meditate. Like, let's start making that the conversation. That, like, Something I'm so busy. I'm about. working so yes. hard, you know, and then people. I'm feeling so good. <laughs> yeah. I'm so zen right I now. So I love good. that. You know, you're so right. If you look at some of the things people email, like, I'll get back to you when I come up for air. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm drowning. I'm overwhelmed. Um, and um, changing that language, absolutely. We, we write a lot of articles about that. It's so key. Even like some of the phrases in our songs, like, I'll sleep when I'm dead, or yeah. you snooze, you lose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's so true. Affects I didn't even think about think. that. Yeah, it's so like baked into the culture. Yeah. And I, I want to go back to something you talked about for a second. You talked about your meditation practice. And I've actually heard you speak on your meditation practice a little bit before. I think it was at a David Lynch Foundation yes. event. And you said something that stuck with me. You said, I meditate once a day. Always you meditate once a day. Unless you're really busy, <laughs> then you meditate twice a day. <laughs> and, you know, I just, it really hit me of like, oh, yeah, that's what meditation is for. It's not it's just not, another thing to do. And it's not something that you do when you have time for it. It's what you do when you are so busy in order to help you regenerate, recharge. Exactly. And it's, it's neat. Your brain needs it. And I have this weird theory. I don't know if this is true. Maybe you can tell me if this mm -hmm. is true or not, but that, um, you know, I, I don't know when it came out, all these studies around the eight hours of sleep. Yes. It was... You know, when we were probably kids, people were really starting to talk about this and Harvard was doing studies and all of a sudden it was everywhere. Like you need to get eight hours of sleep. And now I feel like eight hours might not be enough. And meditation comes in to help us with that. Our brains are in such overload from stimulation, from our smartphones, from computers, nonstop emails or yes. work in our pockets that meditation almost acts like sleep in a way. And you need to do it throughout the day, especially when you're extra busy. busy. Well, in fact, um, what we found, and again, what the latest neuroscience shows is that it takes 60 to 90 seconds to course correct from stress. So That's giving it? yourself this, yeah, which is such a great piece of news. So giving ourselves those regular little breaks during the day is key to stress not becoming cumulative, which is what makes it hard to get a good night's sleep. You know, we're never going to eliminate stress from our lives, 
but we can prevent it from becoming cumulative. Mm. So um, we said that we've, we've launched a feature in our behavior change app called Reset, which is 60 seconds. And you will love it because it's all about joy. So you put together things that give you joy. It could be pictures of your baby. It could be pictures of pets, your friends, uh, uh, landscapes you love, um, favorite quotes, your favorite song. And then we put it together and it lasts 60 seconds. And anytime you feel stressed, you play it. It's 60 seconds. But it reminds you of all the things you love all the things you're grateful for. And the pictures are not like um, Instagram perfect pictures. They're pictures that mean something to you. I mean, for me, they're pictures of me and my kids that are goofy and, uh, and make, make kind of my heart sing. And, and then you exchange them with your friends and it becomes like a recognition that it doesn't take a long time to cost correct from stress. But look at our lives. Often we run from meeting to meeting, from event to event, and we become more and more breathless as the day goes on. And then we have these, like, crashes in the middle of the afternoon when people <laughs> go... Reach for the bad snacks. Reach for the bad <laughs> snacks. Chips and a cup of coffee. It's yes. funny. I feel like Whitney and I kind of do that naturally. Like, sometimes, like, the, the nice thing about, you know, being best friends and co-founders and partners, yeah. is that... We have always found time to also be best friends throughout our workday, not That's just fantastic. not just CEOs. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll show her like pictures of my baby or Whitney will show me like pictures from her travels like in the middle of the day. And it's literally 15 seconds, but it's so healing that. and helps us drop out of our, you know, left brain We'd need to accomplish, to accomplish. That. Oh, yeah, okay. So that's one of the things we're finding is that having successful people, you know, who are doing a lot of good, great things like you write about your rituals, what you are doing, what mm. helps you recharge is amazing. It helps move the needle for people. Mm. And we bought an AI machine learning feedback recommendation company so we can feed people the content and the micro steps that will most resonate with them. Cool. So if you're a businessman, we may feed you Jeff Bezos writing for Thrive why he sleeps for eight hours because it improves his decision making. Or we may feed you Selena Gomez who wrote for us why she does a regular digital detox. Or we may feed you guys um, writing about how you use your friendship to recharge during the day. Yeah, one of the other ways I'd say, you know, and part of our mission is like there's so many decisions to make every single day. And you talk about this, too, I know. But, you know, one of the the decisions that used to take up my mind share all the time was what to eat. And now like having Sakara in the fridge and having healthy food just waiting for us yes. where I don't I have to make zero decisions except the four seconds when I open the fridge and I decide which meal to grab. That used to be so stressful for you. It, what am I you were thinking and, at breakfast about your next meal? For sure. Yeah. And and not even it was a stressful decision. Not even because it was like just food, but also I had all my neuroses around it. I was, you know, scared <laughs> it was gonna make me feel or look a certain way or be bloated or gain weight or whatever my my issues were around food. Now just having that has made 
such like food that I can trust and I know is good for me and is going to oh. nourish me waiting for me in the fridge has been such a and, game changer. And that decision's already made. Decision's already I made. I love that. That is so profound because decision fatigue yeah. is a huge issue. You know, Barack Obama was uh, wrote about that, how, you know, if you're the bigger your job, the fewer decisions you should be making mm. so that you're Oh, I brain love that energy so much. is available. <laughs> I need to, to remember that. And you know. like, Andrea, yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that you have your full kind of cognitive energy there to make the big decisions. So he would have like what he wore was handled. He, he had often the same lunch every day. The point is, however, you can eliminate decision making around all these things and make them more automatic. So true. Um, you and are, you you do it through, I we saw on your Instagram that sometimes you'll like wear the same thing to oh events. Yes. Your hashtag repeat. Yeah. Hashtag repeat. So I'm big on that. I think it's so important for women because it takes so much. It's not just money, but mind share. And when, you know, when anytime you wear something new, although I do want your blouse. <laughs> oh, thank you. This is vintage. Vintage. Wow, yeah. I love it. Oh, thank you. Um, Every time you wear something new, you know, you're not entirely sure right away. Have you noticed that? Like you are checking, how does this look? Is this, does this feel okay? Is this whatever? Right. And then you have some things like this dress I'm wearing now that, you know, I put it on and then I never have to think about it. You know, it's like done. And the other day at the Oscars, you know, I'm at the Vanity Fair party. I wore the same dress that I had worn at the 2013 Vanity Fair party. <laughs> and you and, looked and amazing I Instagram, in I Instagram them side by side because I want to like brag about repeats because especially with social media, there is the pressure to constantly wear something new. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. You know, so you're turning wasteful. it into something cool. Yes, I'm turning it into something cool. So I'd love you oh to do God. it. Yes. If you can send me I mean, pictures yeah. of you wearing the same thing. Danielle, no problem. <laughs> Danielle went through a phase where she decided she was going to wear a uniform. Well, my husband wears a uniform. He wears the same thing every single day. Um, and what's so annoying is that sometimes we'll run into people and they'll be like, this is so cool. Where'd you get that? And I'm like, he was wearing that the last time we saw him. <laughs> it's not fair. Like it just like, I don't know. He like brings a different energy to it every day. Oh, I don't I know what that. it is, but yeah, uniforms help. He went through a phase where he loved wearing these, I don't know what you call it, like an overall He's still overall wearing jump, jumpsuit. It's been three years. Yeah. Oh, but he just hilarious. makes it look so cool. Oh, can you send me a picture of him to put on my repeat? Sure. Just and don't then, tell him. Yeah. Anytime any you... Wear something that you've worn before, you know, especially if it's for an event or something, send okay. it to me. All you? right, we will. Okay, so I I think to wrap up, I, I want to just recap on some of your top tips for recovering from burnout. You were talking about getting enough sleep, your seven to nine hours, right, is what you yes, said. Yes, unless you have a genetic mutation. <laughs> Which we don't have. Yeah. Those well, if somebody people. Is, is listening and they say, hey, I feel great after four, good right. for good you, for you. Fine. Yeah. You know, we, you don't and have to, you don't have to have more than what right. you need to mm-hmm. feel great. Sleep hygiene was another really important one, like cutting off your day, putting your phone to bed, putting your phone to bed, and then kind of putting yourself to bed with a ritual, just like we would our kids. I love and that. then in bed, no screens. 
Beautiful books. Guys, you should bring Eat, Clean, Play, Dirty in Bed. It's a joy trigger. <laughs> you know, the that sounds like something for a bed. Yeah. You know, it's Nighttime like something reading. that you can read at night and it puts you in a lovely mood and yeah. you're not. Um, I never read things that have to do with work. Mm. I read um, novels, novels, stories, poetry, yeah. philosophy, uh, food books, whatever that 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 are joy triggers or uh, or put a distance between my daily life and projects mm-hmm. and to do lists and the time to go to sleep and recharge. Okay, so we talked about all these different tips for rebooting after so that you don't hit that burnout. We have something that we call light work, which is a practice or a challenge to give our Sakara Light listeners so that they can start putting some of this that we talked about today and some of your work into action in their own lives. So we'd love for you to share a light work practice with our listeners. Great. So I want to make it very tiny. Because the problem often is that we we start very big, especially kind of ambitious Taipei people. They make New Year resolutions like, I'm going to be going to the gym an hour a day. And within three weeks, the resolution is abandoned. And then what happens is that it's harder to start again because you feel defeated. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to start so small, again, micro steps, too small to fail. And let me start with a very small micro step. In the morning, when you wake up, take one minute, 60 seconds, before you go to your phone uh, to remember what you're grateful for, to set your intention for the day, um, or to take some deep conscious breaths, And uh, then go to your phone. Mm -hmm. If you don't have one minute, you don't have a life. And yet 72% of people go to their phone first thing in the morning before they're fully awake, before their feet have hit the ground. Before they kiss their partner good morning. Before they kiss their partner. Yeah, I love that light work. That is amazing. We're going to do that. All you listeners out there, take 60 seconds. Before you listen to our next podcast, you got to do this <laughs> challenge first. Do this light work and take your 60 seconds. Thank you, Ayana. Thank so you so much. I love time. what you are doing. Thank you. Ditto. And I love count your blessings, not calories. <laughs> <laughs> In our conversation with Ariana Huffington today, we talked a lot about burnout and ways that you can avoid that burnout feeling, especially through meditation and through food. Here is a Saqqara story from Alicia in Philadelphia on how Saqqara transformed not only what she eats, but how she eats it. Saqqara has changed my entire relationship with food and myself. I'm a more mindful eater and have learned how to fuel my body. It's taught me so much about nutrition while also making my skin, sleep, and body feel so much better. This is amazing because, as many of you know, Sakara was born out of Whitney and I really hitting our personal rock bottoms, and my rock bottom was born out of my relationship to food. It was a toxic relationship 
I didn't want to think about food. It stressed me out. I was worried about calories and carbs and points and, and pounds. And the most meaningful change in my personal Sakara journey has been transforming that relationship to food. So, Alicia, I'm so grateful that we got to be a part of your transformation and your relationship with food as well. If you have a Sakara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at sakarastories at sakaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at sakaralife.com or send us a DM at sakaralife. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Sakara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today. And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights. This podcast was recorded live at Noya House in New York City.